Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Whether you're in your garden or hiking through the woods, we have you covered. Call now with your outdoor questions. In Appleton, call 281-1150 or outside the valley, 866-887-1150. From the Myron Construction Studios of WHBY, it's Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. Brought to you by Brookdale Appleton Senior Living. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Focus Fox Valley. It is time for our Outdoors with Rob Zimmer Hour here on WHBY. I'm Haley Ten Pass, and of course, we are joined by Rob Zimmer on our phone lines today. Hey there, Rob. Hey there. How are you? Oh, it is such a beautiful day. The windows are open. The breeze is blowing. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. Yeah. What a gorgeous day. It is amazing. Yep. 73, I think it was. Yeah. Gorgeous. And we would love to hear from you too today. 281-1150 is the number on our Settlers Bank phone lines. I'm sure there's so much to talk about. I feel like the trees bloomed this morning. They just came yeah. to life today. Yep. All of a sudden, boom, we got that little bit of rain yesterday uh, and then the sunshine. And now they're just, there's a lot of green out there. And uh, a lot of the fruit trees are blooming, like the cherry trees and some of the apple trees and crab apples have started to bloom. So it's getting pretty beautiful out there. Well, Rob, what are you hoping to uh, chat about with us today? Um, I want to talk about birds a lot because it is World or International Migratory Bird Month. Um, last weekend, last Saturday, was actually International Migratory Bird Day, um, but that was before the show, so we couldn't really cover it. But uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about International Migratory Bird Month because actually this week in our area is peak songbird migration. So the most warblers and the most thrushes and the most scarlet tanagers and the most orioles and hummingbirds all come back this week. So I want to talk quite a bit about different birds and places to see them and things you can plant to attract them and stuff like that. Fantastic. Well, yeah. And, and if you're seeing cool birds, oh, sorry. If you're seeing cool birds at your feeder, like some of the indigo buntings or orioles or thrashers or grosbeaks, give us a call and let us know what's at your feeder. All right. Well, speaking of callers, we do have someone on the line. Josh joins us on the Settlers Bank phone lines. Hi, Josh. Good afternoon, Rob and Haley. How are you guys? All right. Good. How are you? I'm doing Is great. Josh, Josh? <laughs> it's Josh, Josh. Josh, do yeah, Josh, Josh. fresh take. <laughs> Rob, I'm calling in. I'm glad to hear that you want to talk about birds because I have seen an interesting bird around Herb Park when I'm walking my dog, and I just wanted to know if it's possible. I think I saw like a crane or a heron while I was walking, so I'd just be like right in the middle of the city of Appleton. Is that possible? Uh, definitely, yeah, and it could be either because I, I've gotten a lot of reports this week actually of sandhill cranes right in the town, right in town. Um, in fact, my friend Jamie posted a picture of one in, in Nina, a sandhill crane. And they do nest at Heckrod, kind of right in town. So it could be he was down there poking around, you know, finding something in the grass. Um, it could have also been a great blue heron because they're, they're all along the river, and sometimes they, 
you know, they land in the parks and stuff, especially if there's water on the ground or anything, which probably wasn't this week, so it's pretty dry. But it could have been either a great blue heron or a, a sandhill crane. Um, it wasn't a wild turkey by chance, was it? Because there's a lot of wild turkeys there. No, I've seen the wild turkeys around this part of the city, but the this corner of the park has a big retaining pond. Oh, so yes. It's yep. possible that it would have been in there, and that's where I was walking at the time I saw it. It came flying up, and the distinctive shape of the body and the long legs is what got me. So I just wasn't sure if that it would be this far from a large body of water. No, the, the great blue herons especially, they, the tiniest little bodies of water, they will go by. Um, great blue herons, you can kind of tell when they fly because they kind of tuck their hair in, their necks in like an, like an S, whereas a great a sandhill crane will keep it completely outstretched. So uh, that, that's one way to tell. And then a, a sandhill crane is brown, where a great blue heron will be a grayish blue color. Then it was a great blue heron, okay. Yep, so he's probably at that retention pond. He's staking it out. There must be some good frogs or something in there for him. Oh, all kinds of stuff in that pond, absolutely. And it's new within the last couple of years, so that's really yeah. interesting. I'll keep my eyes on the sky. Yeah, and isn't that amazing how, how wildlife finds those ponds? They build those ponds, and frogs find them, and, and turtles, and even fish. You you wonder how fish get in there, but something probably ate the eggs and then, you know, pooped it in there or something. But it's amazing how these little ponds in the middle of nowhere all of a sudden attract all this wildlife. The ducks are all over the place here as well. Yeah, yep. Awesome. Very cool. Great Thanks so much. Then. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Haley. Thanks for calling, Josh. Bye, Josh. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Saw great blue herons right in town, right at Herb Park. And, and yeah, we're seeing more and more of them. I see them along the Fox River a lot, along especially some of the banks along, um, you know, even right downtown. They, they perch on those old um, railroad pilings that go through there, and they perch on the rocks in the open water when it's, when it's shallow enough, and um, so, yeah, great blue herons, pelicans, cormorants, all sorts of birds around uh, right in town, which is amazing. I mean, Appleton is a really cool, uh, that's why they call it Bird City USA, because we have everything right in town even. How lucky are we, truly? Yes. Yes, and we, as I talk about many times on the show, this, this whole area, we are so rich in nature centers and parks and wildlife areas and stuff. I mean, compared to other parts of the state, you know, there are so many places within a half an hour, an hour that you can go, or even 15 minutes right here in the Fox Valley. And, and the cool thing is they're all free, you know, except your state park sticker to get to High Cliff. But all of the other nature centers right now are free. And a lot of parts of the state you have to pay to go hiking at a nature center um, or even a county park. So we're lucky and very fortunate to be right here where those outdoor spaces are valued and, you know, provided to us. Well put, Rob. Rob, I know that you've been, uh, you get so many folks connecting with you on your Facebook page. Uh, and we also, uh, will I'll, I'll bring that up in just a moment because we actually have Michelle on the Settlers Pink Phone Live. All right. Hi, Michelle. Um, Hello. So you did see what I had at my feeder yesterday as I was sitting out on my deck. My hummingbirds, uh, yes. Orioles, uh, woodpecker. <laughs> yeah. Is this Michelle Greeley? It is. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she, Michelle posted, speaking of, Haley, Haley was just talking about my Facebook page, which is Rob Zimmer Outdoors. Michelle posted pictures. She was, And I said it was a beautiful night to sit out on your deck or sit outside and just listen to the birds. And she started posting pictures. She has humming, Her hummingbirds are back and Orioles and all sorts of things. So isn't yep. it amazing how they you just put it out and they find you? Oh, yeah. I do have a question yeah. for you, though. Oh, sure. Okay. So... We, I love my songbirds. I love. I didn't. I haven't seen the cardinals for a while, but they're out there. I can hear them. 
I can hear the, you know, the Orioles are at the feeder, the hummingbirds are at the feeder, the little, I don't even mind the house finches and things like that, but how do you keep the red-winged blackbirds off all your feeders and your suet and everything else? They make a mess. Yeah, they're, you hope that, you know, now they should start winding down because for a while there was really cold. They couldn't get a lot of the bugs and stuff that they normally eat. Now that it's heating up, they should be finding plenty of natural sources of food. Um, it's usually like March, April, into early May, when it, before it really warms up, that they, as soon as they come back, they want that extra nutrition. Uh, they want yeah. those extra sources of food. But by now, especially with this weekend, although tomorrow it's supposed, or Sunday it's supposed to get pretty cold and rainy again, but um, they should start leaving and going out and getting their own sources of food. Now that the bugs, I mean, lake flies and stuff, now that the bugs are out, they're going to find plenty of, of their own food. Um, okay. But it was probably it was probably those couple weeks when we had those freezes and frosts every night. So it was pretty much there weren't many insects flying around for them. So okay. they move in, they yeah, flock up, move into your feeders. Yeah, because they destroy our suet. I mean, we put it out there for <laughs> the the woodpeckers that we have and some of the other songbirds. And yeah, yeah, they we put it out there and within like two or three days it's destroyed because the big old blackbirds are out there. My husband's always out there you know, clapping it or whatever, trying to shoo them yeah. away from it. But, and then they throw my, all this, they try to get out of other bird feeders, and they, all they do is throw the corn all over. It's yeah. like, really? And my, my thing is, you know, everybody's got to eat. So if you're feeding yeah. birds, you know, you can't pick and choose, just like you can't pick and choose people. <laughs> um, but there are some things. I mean, there are specialized feeders. If you go to, like, Wild Bird and Backyard, uh, which is yeah. right here in Appleton, they have special special feeders and special food blends that kind of keep keep blackbirds away um you know like feeding some of them are more expensive but feeding like straight safflower seed oh yeah yeah that's expensive yeah yeah but that keeps the pest birds away but i think it was just i I really think it was just weather related now that the weather's warmed up and there's plenty of bugs and natural food sources you shouldn't see as many anymore they're gonna be they're gonna be out doing their thing out in the out in the wild sure Have have you heard from Dennis? Is Tweety Bird still around or not? I haven't I haven't heard from him. Maybe he's listening. Maybe he'll tell us. But I, I saw though, like last week or the week before, that someone else in Menasha found found one at their feeder too. And oh, posted to see to see it. So it could be the same bird. So someone it actually could be. Yeah. Yeah. And it looked so. like it. It was green and yellow, just like his was. But yep. so someone else in Menasha posted on like the Menasha Forum Facebook page yeah. saying, "Is this your is this your bird?" And that's you know for a bird that's only you know a couple blocks away from Dennis, so yeah, um, it could be the same one. Huh. So I don't know. Hopefully, survive right. the winter. Sounds <laughs> well, good. Well, you guys, report. you guys have uh, yeah, you guys have a great weekend and enjoy. And I'll listen on the rest of my way home. All right, drive careful. Yep, I will. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Michelle. We are going to take a quick pause, but we do have more callers to get to on the Settlers Bank phone line. So stay with us. More with Outdoors of Rob Zimmer coming up in just a few moments on HBY. And we are back 423 to time with Outdoors with Rob Zimmer talking birds and international migratory bird month and we are open on our settlers bank phone lines 281-1150 we will turn to them now as betty is on the line with us today hi betty just wanted to tell you that we've lived hi betty we've lived here 20 years and two days ago i saw my first pilated woodpecker in the yard Good. So he came. 
Um, I talked to a friend uh, in Lenox County, and they said four years ago they got some. Oh, so, and actually, my too. neighbor's yard is better because it has a lot of dead trees. But uh, yeah. I did see it come in, and I was I was I was just astounded. Oh, good. Did he come to your suet feeder? I'm sorry. Did he come to the suet feeder or just into the? Well, trees? I was sitting there on the phone with my grandson and. I think he would have if I hadn't been talking. <laughs> oh. But he flew against uh, one of the oak trees, and then he flew away So I, when I was talking. So I was uh, probably too close to the... I haven't seen him on my uh, suet feeders, but the, the woodpeckers are coming in like mad. I, I'm really, yeah. really, really surprised how much the woodpeckers, yeah. being it's getting warmer, they're still at it. Uh, all yeah. kinds, you know. They, they could have and the goldfinches are still um, putting those that little nest builder in their mouth, with her, making oh. little mustaches. And I've had gross beaks and well, loads of birds. I I'm just thrilled that I was most thrilled about that woodpecker. <laughs> oh yes, and it's my it's daughter has one up in Ephraim. That comes to her house, but I had never seen one before. And Aren't they're they big? they're so distinctive, you you know what it is when you see it. So yes, and they're huge, right? They're huge. They're what? They're huge. Yes, yes, they That's are. Nice. I said they're like a, kind of like a spring chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, no, I. Awesome. Uh, but anyways, that's that's kind of what I wanted to say. Oh. Um, oh. I have something eating some of the hostas. They're eating them always. Uh, the whole plant is—is is it possible the squirrels are doing that? I've seen I don't have deer. I haven't had deer, so I, I'm sure it's not deer. I've seen chipmunks eat the whole—you know—the whole thing down. I've actually watched a chipmunk pull a hosta leaf down like an umbrella and just eat it. So. It, and I'm pretty sure you have chipmunks there. I think I've seen them when I've been there. So you chipmunks will I, do it. I didn't understand. What did you say it was? Oh, a chipmunk. Oh, a chipmunk? Okay, well, they do yeah. that because they, yeah. they really don't eat all the leaves. They just kind of chew them way off. Okay, so it's probably the chipmunk. Okay, I, I just wonder. Yeah, because yeah, I've actually watched them do that. The other thing it could be is if you have, uh, and I've never seen one when I've been there, but a woodchuck, if you have a woodchuck burrow around or a woodchuck, they'll eat hostas all the way to the ground, too. <laughs> I, I have not seen a woodchuck. No. So, yeah. And well, the thank other you. Thing, I yeah, just I'll wanted to you let too. you know that after all these years, here I am with my correlated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, that was wonderful. After all these years, a woodpecker finally. <laughs> yep, and it's even it's even cooler because she's told me that story many times, and we've seen them, you know, around the neighborhood. But there, the pileated woodpecker. For those who don't know, it's it's our it's the biggest woodpecker in North America, um, except for the ivory-billed woodpecker, which is probably extinct. But it's huge. It's bigger than a crow, and it has a long neck and a huge crest on the top of its head, and they're red, white, and black. And it's just a stunning bird, and it's got a huge beak a huge like gigantic beak and then they sound they have a really distinct call 
Um, and she's been waiting for a long time to get one to come into her yard, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of her there. She got her, her affiliated woodpecker right in her backyard. Now, Rob, when someone has their sights on maybe getting a particular bird to, to visit their feeder, is that something you can uh, you can try to do if you put the right stuff out there? Oh, definitely. Yep. You can, depending on what you you want to have um, attract to your feeder, there's, there's all sorts of charts. And usually in the fall when I do my November winter bird feeding um, programs, I usually talk about that, like which foods attract which birds. But you can get that anytime, again, just by going to, like, Wild Bird and Backyard. They have all the charts there, and they will tell you what works for what. Um, obviously, everyone knows that if you want Orioles, you put out oranges or jelly. Um, if you want gross beaks, rose-breasted gross beaks, which, which Betty said she had, too, those like the sunflower seeds, especially the big striped ones, because gross beaks are actually in the cardinal family. So a lot of people are surprised by that, but gross beaks are actually cardinals. So rose-breasted gross beaks and cardinals are in the same family. Um, if you want to track robins or bluebirds, uh, bluebirds, really, you have to be living out in the country. You're not going to get them in town. But if you live out in the country, uh, they love mealworms. So, and they don't have to be live mealworms, just dried mealworms that you buy at the, at the bird food store. Those are great for robins and cedar waxwings and indigo buntings and uh, the, the bluebirds. Um, so, and corn attracts certain birds. Um, so there's all sorts of things that you can um, Put in there to in your feeder specifically to attract certain birds and I'm actually going to talk about later on the show I have a whole list of plants that you can plant in your garden uh, that are great for birds throughout the year too. Fantastic I just actually picked up some suet from wild bird and backyard and oh, uh, it's the best I think that I've ever put out and the birds went nuts for it I'm talking it was gone in about a day and a half. <laughs> yeah because and, and that's good because what happened was, as I was talking about there uh, with, with Michelle, um, we, had, we had almost a week in a row where every night we had not just frost but deep freezes. So that kills off a lot of the insects that these birds normally eat this time of year when they come back because all these birds are just coming back now and they usually eat all these insects. But it's been so cold that there hasn't been a lot of insects flying around. So they come for that um, instant fat content from the suet. So that's why the suet goes so fast this time of year. And of course, it's even a bonus if you have suet that has fruit chunks and raisins and mealworms and stuff right in it. Yeah, I love that. I was sometimes yeah. it's like, that flavor sounds really good. Oh, wait, it's for the birds. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If you smell some of those, like there's like a, a cherry cheesecake one and an orange one and an apple. There's like a cinnamon apple one. I mean, those are all mostly for Orioles. And but, oh, my gosh, I would eat those. And you just smell them. It's like an air freshener. I could, like, just open it up and put it in my car and have it as an Dang air freshener. Hang it from your, from your rear view mirror, Rob. <laughs> yeah. A suet cake. A cherry cheesecake suet cake. <laughs> Delicious. That's, All right. Well, yeah. uh, 4.30 is the time, and we've got That's a whole right. half hour of Outdoors with Rob Zimmer to go. So give us a call, 281 is the number. We'd love to hear what you're seeing at your feeder. If anything new has popped up, uh, Rob's here to answer your questions and take your calls. 281-1150 is the number. We'll take a quick break here. Back with more of Outdoors with Rob Zimmer after this. We are back with more of Outdoors with Rob Zimmer, part of Focus Fox Alley on WHBY. And we're talking birds today, but really taking your calls and questions too on our Settlers Bank phone lines. 281 1150 
is the number. And to the phone lines, we will go right away. We have Mary joining us. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, Hello. Hi. I've, hi. I've got a question. We have been really lucky to have indigo buntings come through our yard in the spring, and um, they always eat off the ground, the, the um, bird seed off that falls down. They always eat off the ground, and they stay for almost a week. And I was just wondering, we haven't seen them this year, and I don't know if it's too late for them or um, – because it seems like we usually see them when it's kind of cold. Yep, I did see I, – and actually just yesterday a lot of people were posting that they got their first indigo buntings of the year. So uh, they're just starting to come through. We just had a, a good south wind uh, yesterday and a couple days before that. Um, so they're just starting to come back through. Like I said, a lot of people saw their first ones yesterday, and a lot of people were posting on my Facebook page that they saw them at their feeders. So keep watching. They're coming. Yeah, um, we've had like like five on the ground at yeah. for like about five or six days. And um, where, do, where do they go from here? Not, not far. A lot of them stay in nests right here in our area. They just don't nest near your yard so they might be coming through to get some food just to fatten up but indigo bunting's nest right here in wisconsin but they're kind of open country birds they nest in fields you know right at the edge kind of like eastern bluebirds they nest at the edge of the field so you see them a lot where there's big fields like kill snake wildlife area and brilliant nature center um some of the places along the field edges so um, mosquito hill nature center has a lot around their prairie so um, they really don't go far. They just move out to the edge of the woods to nest. Okay. Well, thanks so much. And we also saw, for the first time today, a hummingbird and an okay. Oriole. So that was oh, thrilling. Good. Where are you located? Uh, uh, in Appleton on the south side. Oh, so you're right in Appleton. Yep. Yeah, so they should be right in the area or you know, over the next few days. Um, it looks like today tonight's going to be a good night, so tomorrow could be a good night to look. Uh, tomorrow morning would be a good day to look for those indigo buntings. Okay. Uh, some of the other okay. birds. Yeah, and I was also going to say um, they're only blue, like, for just a few weeks now in the spring. By the middle of summer, like by the 4th of July or end of July, um, the males lose that blue color. So they just look like sparrows. So you might even see them and not know it. Oh, really? I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they are amazing. <laughs> when they're yeah. blue, I mean, they're gorgeous. So. Yep, and the only... They only have that blue color during the spring breeding season, and then they quickly kind of change. So when they migrate through in late summer and fall, a lot of people don't even realize they have them because they look just like sparrows. Okay, well, I learned something. Thank you so much. I love the show. Sure. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. I love indigo butt things. They're such oh, cute. They're, they're so cute. <laughs> yep. They are, and they're just that blue color. And an interesting fact, and I think I've shared this on the phone, on, on the phone, on the show before, is they aren't really blue. It, it's an illusion. It's literally um, indigo buntings are actually black, and you you can Google this and read all about it. They're actually black birds, but because of the way the sun hits them or the light hits them, that kind of um, iridescence kind of makes them look that really blackish blue color. But in reality, you know, unlike some birds like blue jays and eastern bluebirds that are actually true blue, indigo buntings really aren't blue. They're black, and it's all a trick of the light. So if you see them in certain angles or in certain 
you know, maybe on cloudy days, they might not be so intense. It's because of the way the light's hitting them. That's pretty interesting. That is interesting, Rob. Yeah. I'm very encouraged. We've gotten a lot of great calls today with what people are seeing at their feeders, yeah. which is, yeah. I'm kind of curious, Rob, do you know anything on numbers of bird migration right now? Or are we seeing higher numbers in the past? I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, according to, you know, the last research they did, of course, last year, you know, they say that we're actually down like billions of birds over from the from the 70s or the last time, you know, over the years because of all different reasons, because of pesticide use and habitat destruction, all of that. So songbird numbers overall are, are way down. Um, I think it's just the intent. It just seems like a lot more because um, the migration is actually running a little bit late uh, because it was so cold and we had such so many days of, of strong northeast winds that kind of held back a lot of these birds. So now they're kind of flooding north, where usually they might just trickle north uh, because now the winds aren't from the north anymore like they were for that whole week. Now we're kind of getting that big rush. So they were actually kind of like stacking up down south of us, waiting for another south wind to come north. Does that make Interesting. sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It does, yeah, absolutely. So kind of, yeah, so they were kind of piling up behind us, you know, down south of us. And when the wind switched to the south, of course, they came up. And it was actually good timing because something else that happened this week that I posted on my page a couple times and made a lot of people grossed out <laughs> was the lake flies. The lake flies were just incredible this week on Lake Winnebago. It was so amazing. It actually showed up on radar, I saw, a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lake fly hatch, that is, it's, it's Mother Nature's perfect timing. I mean, those those bugs are there when these birds are migrating north, and that's, that's their main source of food during this time, the purple martins. The warblers, the scarlet tanagers, the orioles, they are so happy right now, at least the ones that are close to Lake Winnebago, because they are getting a feast. Um, and it's just amazing for these birds to have that source of food available to them for, you know, for a few days there. They can really fill up. And the ones that continue north, obviously, that's a great energy um, boost for them to carry them all the way up into northern Wisconsin and southern Canada. Wow. What other benefits do the lake flies bring to our ecosystem, Rob? A lot. They feed just about everything in the lake. I mean, everything that lives in the lake or near the lake basically eats the lake flies in some form. Of course, you've probably heard we talked about this before on the show, too. Um, the whole lake sturgeon population, those, those lake sturgeon, the young lake sturgeon, even the adults, they feed on the lake fly larvae, so the, the nymphs beneath the surface before they actually hatch into adults. Um, those baby lake flies or those young lake fly larvae, that feeds all of those lake sturgeon that are in the lake. So that's one of their primary sources of food, uh, and that's why we have such a healthy population of lake sturgeon is because of the lake flies. Um, all of the other uh, the other birds, obviously, that fly along the lake uh, that either live here or migrate through, they're eating those, those lake flies. And people who live along the lake, and I used to live along the lake too, um, that lake fly, um, those carcasses from those bugs that can pile up almost like snow sometimes, it can drift like snow, that's one of the best all-natural fertilizers for your garden. I used to have mixed in like six or eight inches of dead lake flies into my garden on the lake, and I had the most incredible plants that you can imagine. And there's still people who will go drive to the lake with five-gallon buckets and fill them up with lake fly carcasses and bring them home and dump them in their garden. So it's a very rich uh, source of nutrition Um for that. And of course, there's lots of in some of the marshy areas, which are more on the southern half of the lake and at Heckrod and places like that. The frogs, frogs eat lake flies. Um, bats, bats are amazing um, um, 
feeders of the lake fly. So they come out, obviously, at night. Um, but the lake flies swarm pretty much all day long and all night long, and the bats will actually go and feed on those too. So um, bats and um, common night hawks, which are kind of like whippoorwills, and just about everything, every type of bird eats those lake flies when they're there. Robins, scarlet tanagers, orioles, gross beaks, any single, even, any, even hummingbirds will grab them. I've seen hummingbirds grab lake flies off of leaves and just eat them quick. So, yeah, great source of food there. Just a little extra protein. <laughs> exactly. Although I saw I saw something today that was interesting. It said uh, lake flies actually have no protein in them. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> but it's a great source of nutrition. I don't know if it was true or not. I didn't get into the article to read it, but it was some technical thing saying actually lake flies don't have any protein in them. But it's still a great source of nutrition uh, for those. Um, how much time do I have yet? Well, Rob, I was thinking we'll take a quick break here and come back with our final oh. segment. How, how does that sound? Sure, because I still want to give I want to give some bird watching tips, like tips for going out to look for birds. Then I want to do my top ten list. I'm going to do uh, just my favorite top ten spring migrating birds. Perfect. We'll get to that coming up after this on WHBY. Some five minutes of of course with Rob Zimmer on WHBY and we've been talking birds all hour long and taking your calls too so thank you for those lots of amazing spottings at the bird feeder uh, lately and going to continue the bird talk as Rob's got a couple of uh, bird watching tips to share with us. Yep and I do want to talk about something else too I got a really interesting uh, question on my Facebook page uh, Craig Lasota posted a picture of a bird uh, wanting to know what it was. And it's something I don't see a lot of, so it was pretty cool. He said, Rob, any ideas what kind of bird this is? Any help is appreciated. Uh, and he's got a what it, what's called a black-crowned night heron. It's a very unusual bird. A lot of people, I always say, they, they remind me of penguins because uh, they're kind of short, stocky, stocky birds, um, white with a black cap on the top of the head. They have blood-red eyes, which are really cool. But he got a picture of one up in a tree, um, which a lot of people think that's unusual, but it's really not. All herons nest in trees, so that black-crowned night heron is probably nesting in there, and I thought that was really cool. Something else I wanted to share, we were just talking a little bit ago to Mary, who was asking about the indigo buntings. Um, Sarah, my friend Sarah, actually posted on Facebook that she had five male indigo buntings at her feeder this morning, so uh, they're there. I think she's over in Clover, though. She's over in, in Portage County or Wood County, uh, but she has five male indigo buntings. So that means they're they're in this area. They're at this latitude. So they're coming uh, coming north. So five at her feeder. Pretty cool. Wow, that's cool. So I do want to give some tips. I'm because because it's a it's the perfect weekend to get out there. You know, I always tell people, and they always laugh at me, but I say on my Facebook page all the time that rainy days are the best days to get out and go bird watching. And Sunday's going to be pretty rainy and windy, so. Uh, it's a great place to go, but I want to give some quick bird watching tips to see to get the most out of your bird watching time. Um, obviously, like a, you probably hear a lot at all the nature centers and stuff, some people just don't want to do this, but it's what you have to do to see the most birds, and that's get up early and get out there around sunrise. Like an hour before and after sunrise is one of the best times to see birds. So you got to get up, you got to make that commitment and get out there and do it. You will be amazed at how many birds you see. Uh, that early in the morning. Of course, now the sun is up by 5.30. It's pretty bright out already, probably even by 5 o'clock. 
but and then late in the day too, around an hour before and after sunset is really good too. Usually for migrating birds, especially a lot of the songbirds that are coming through now. Um, check the places that have the best habitat. So that means um, different habitats, like wood habitats and forest edge habitats and grasslands and wetlands and open water. You want to check all those different areas because you know you might walk ten yards and be in a completely different habitat and see completely different birds. So. Um, Check places that have the best variety of habitat. Another tip, uh, get invest in a good pair of binoculars. You know, they're really not much. For 20 bucks, you can get a really good pair of binoculars. You don't have to spend, you know, $2,000 on a big spotting scope. You can get a good pair of binoculars for 20 bucks at, you know, Shields or, or Fleet Farm or, or somewhere like that. Also invest in a good local field guide. And by local, I mean Wisconsin because, you know, there's a lot of bird field guides out there, but they cover the whole country. So you're going to see hundreds or thousands of birds that we don't even have right here in Wisconsin. So invest in a Wisconsin-specific one. Um, learn the songs before you go out. Learn different bird songs and listen for them as you're out hiking. If you can pick out certain familiar songs, you'll know the birds are there before you even see them. And that's fun uh, to do that. Um, I'm trying to read my own writing here on my notes. Uh, explore new areas. Bird watching is a really great opportunity to get out and explore new places you've never been before. Um, it's, it's, it's a good excuse to get out and explore new places you've never been. Um, also look at look at all the different levels. So look at the ground. Look maybe three or four feet high. Look up at mid mid treetop level, and then look up in the canopy because you're going to see different birds at all different levels. And another tip that I, I know you've been doing, uh, Haley, is bird watch with your children because a lot of times children see and hear things that we don't necessarily see that we might take for granted and it's so cool to kind of see their excitement when they see or hear something new um, and they can teach you a lot of things you can learn a lot from kids uh, of things that you might take for granted that they're fascinated by so bird watch with children or grandchildren if you have them i completely agree with that my daughter can identify a robin at age two and a half yes <laughs> And then it makes us appreciate them again because, you know, we might take the, you know, it's so exciting to see your first one in the spring, but then they're everywhere and you don't get excited by them anymore. So it's something really cool to, to just look at a robin and still get excited by it. Yeah. And eating those worms. Oh. Mama, she's eating those yeah. worms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I have time, I want to do my top 10 list quick. Yes. Um, my, my top 10 list. Yeah. My top 10 list is just kind of my personal favorite spring birds that I kind of look for every spring, whether I have to go hunt for them, uh, and I know where a lot of these I can find, or um, just wait for them to come, which is kind of the fun part, too. Um, and they're in no particular order. Actually, I think they are in particular order. So, all right, number 10 is one I just heard a little while ago today. It's called a great crested flycatcher, and that sounds like a really dramatic bird, but it's kind of a, a pale olive green bird with a yellow breast. Um, it's a flycatcher, which is that means it's in the same family as the kingbird and some of the other ones. But it's got such a cool sound that you hear in the forest all, all summer long when you're walking through the woods. It has this really loud weep, weeping sound, um, and it's just a very unique bird. Um, I've talked about them on the show before. They're the birds that use snake skins in their nest to kind of keep um, predatory birds away. They, they'll actually tuck a snake skin into the nest to kind of scare away other birds and mammals that might steal their eggs. Number nine is the great egret, which is a, a, it's a white version of the great blue heron. It's about almost exactly the same size as the great blue heron, but it's pure white. 
Um, it's actually a bird that we're seeing more and more around here because their population is, is coming north. Um, it used to be you, you didn't see them much north of Madison or even Illinois, but now they, they've really become pretty common, even right around here in Nina at some of the wetlands and at Heckrod and even up in Shiacton at the marsh there, you see the, the great egrets, which is pretty amazing. Um, so every year we get more and more. Number eight is a different oriole that some people aren't used to. It's the orchard oriole, which is pretty much, it's very similar to the Baltimore oriole, except it's colored a, a rusty red and black instead of bright orange and black. So it's a little less obvious when they're there, but it's a really cool oriole, and I try to find them every year. Do I hear music? Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Number seven is purple martin. Purple martin is obviously the, our largest swallow, the deep red purple one. Uh, number six is the indigo bunting. We talked about those a lot. Number five is the white-throated sparrow, which has just an amazing song. Number four is the scarlet janitor. Everybody knows that one, black and red. Number three, the black-throated blue warbler, which is an amazing bird. Number two is the yellow-headed blackbird. I love that bird. It's, it's a, a, in my opinion, it's more beautiful than oriole. And number one is a wood thrush, which is just one of the most incredible songsters that we have out there. Wow. Great list, Rob. Yeah. Well, that's it for our Friday edition of Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. We had a lot of bird talk today. Rob, as always, great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. Bye. All right. We'll be back with more of Outdoors with Rob Zimmer next Friday. Until then, Focus Fox Valley is on the way. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.